You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome one, welcome all to the month of August. That's right, today is Monday, August 1st, 2022, and this is the SB Nation NFL Show. A reminder before we get started that this show is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. As mentioned, this is the SB Nation NFL Show, and specifically this is Monday Football Monday where we get your week started talking about the Sunday that was in the NFL. But right now, it's still technically training camp season, so we're looking forward. We're talking about everything that's happening, getting ready for all of the football that's coming our way. I mentioned it is August, which means every month for the next half year has at least one football game of some kind. So get ready. My name is RJ Ochoa from SB Nation's blog and the boys. Joining me as always on the ones and twos is Rachelle Prevet from SB Nation's Bleeding Green Nation. And joining us here, basically the the father of Monday Football Monday, I, I've decided I think Rachelle is in agreement uh, from SB Nation's Bolts from the Blue. It is the debonair, the swashbuckling Michael Peterson. You can hear him wherever you get your podcasts on the SB Nation NFL show. Subscribe, leave a rating, write a review. You can watch him on the SB Nation NFL YouTube channel, Facebook page and twitter page michael give the give the viewing audience a wink you can use your right or left eye but give them a wink a wink okay hold on which is my which is my dominant winking eye there that we go one. people I think my left yeah baker mayfield there you go. Two. winked at you see I, oh i've kind God. of grown uncomfortable mm. with the baker mayfield comparison because that makes me sam darnold and i don't you know i mean i don't know about that I, who else would i Not be i don't want to be robbie anderson with the ie now like that's too awkward i don't want to do that maybe i'm christian mccaffrey in this relationship um you know, and then yeah, then that puts Rachel I mean, in a compromising position. Is she Matt Rule? Nobody wants to be Matt Rule. I mean, like that's this is just you know, if Baker had gotten traded to the Seahawks, we could have made this work a lot more coolly. You know, I could have been DK Metcalf, uh, Rachel could have been Jamal Adams, like the good part of him. You know, there was there's a lot more meat on that mm-hmm. bone, so to speak. Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely agree. I like the Chris McCaffrey one. I mean, both you both are comparably very good looking guys. Um, you know, it's just straight up. Let's just say it. Well, you know, actually, by the way, right when you said that, I just saw a piece of news. Uh, that's how things are happening now here at the SB Nation NFL show. Um, while we record, while we stream, things happening. NFL Network reporting that the Panthers just activated second-year corner J.C. Horn from the pup list. Obviously missed uh, most of last season, so very good news to see him back. Michael, we have a lot to get to. Um, as mentioned, uh, we're, we're in the middle, in the thick of training camp season. You were talking to Rachelle and I um, about your life. Um, you know, kind of telling us, um, you know, what your favorite class was in high school, what you majored in college, things like that. Um, quilting is a hobby of Michael's. Uh, everybody can check out his Twitter at Zone Tracks, and, and he'll show you kind of how to there. Um, and you noted today is the first day of pads for most teams around the NFL. So the intensity is picking up. Uh, Broncos country is riding, um, you know, uh, 
I, I, everything is happening the way it's supposed to. But Monday started with a, a, a massive piece of news that we have to discuss. And I, I think I comfortably speak for, for both Michael and Rachel in saying that it is gross to talk about this. We don't enjoy it. Uh, but it is the biggest thing to happen in the NFL in a very long time. We finally have, Michael, uh, a punishment for a Cleveland Browns quarterback, Deshaun Watson. He was officially suspended for the first six games of the season by the jointly appointed disciplinary officer, uh, Judge Sue L. Robinson. Her decision says that Deshaun, uh, as mentioned, is suspended the first six games of the season. There are a lot of tentacles to this. I'm just going to kind of blitz through them and we can unpack it. Um, the, the financial part of this, uh, because that has become part of the story especially when Deshaun got his new deal with the Browns his um his salary for this year rather um is his base salary is one million dollars so his suspension comes out of that so this is only going to cost him three hundred thirty three thousand dollars and I, I use that word only very very loosely obviously and, and, and contextually under his old contract his previous one with the Houston Texans it would have cost him 11 um you know over 11.7 million dollars if we're rounding up um NFL Network's Mike Garoppolo uh, Mike Garoppolo excuse me, reported that the first installment of his signing bonus, which remains untouched and unimpacted by all this, was due yesterday. So Deshaun got a big old chunk of change on Sunday. Monday gets the big suspension. Um, The NFL does reserve the right to appeal this suspension. Uh, In that particular case, Michael, Deshaun's fate would be decided by Commissioner Roger Goodell or whoever Goodell appoints. For what it's worth, Deshaun is expected to participate in practice on Monday. The aforementioned padded uh, padded practices happening across the NFL. Uh, But on the outset, Deshaun Watson suspended six games. It almost seems universally agreed that that is a fraction of what may be constituted to be enough, if you can even quantify what would be enough given all the circumstances. Yeah, I think it's absolutely insane. Um, it was one heck of a way to start the morning yesterday when we got the the report that basically said tomorrow we will get, we'll finally get, you know, I guess an ending to this whole saga, this whole circus that he put on during um, this offseason. Came down to six games. Now, we can go, I'm, I'm sure we're going to talk about it at length, but six games is nothing. It is, with especially with a, with an extra game having been added on to a 17-game schedule, it's even less, you know, than a half, a half of a season, right? Like, less than half a season for being the center of, of everything we've been hearing day in and day out. Um, all the stories have been surrounding and everything we've heard, like six games is nothing. It's a slap on the wrist. That is like a knee-jerk reaction to players getting uh, suspended for PEDs. Which, which literally happened to like, DeAndre Hopkins. He literally was suspended six games for that. Right. Like it's, it, it's absolutely insane. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but I actually have a short list here of com- comparable uh, lengths of suspensions throughout the past, like 10, 12, 15 years in the NFL um, with what they did to show you, kind of give you some context of like, well, you know, 10 years ago, this got you six games, this got you five games. And I'll tell you what, there's quite the Canyon between some of these reasons why these guys got suspended five, six games, as opposed to what Deshaun Watson has been at the center of. It's just absolutely insane. Um, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it a lot. It's There's a lot to talk about. Uh, and we there's, again, so many layers. It's like this onion here. Um, and we're going to get to it here soon. Yeah, this really is an ogre, um, just like an onion uh, with lots of layers. Um, and it's a shame because this is a really you know fun time of year. There, there, football's in the air. It's a fun episode of Monday Football Monday. We have a, an interview that I conducted with Emmett Smith that we're dropping in a little bit. Um, so it's a shame that this, this is this class 
cloud that now hangs over everything. Um, and it's so difficult, Michael, to talk about the, the finances or even the history, because the history of the NFL, certainly the last, I don't know, 10 years, you know, post Ray Rice, if, if you want to you know, kind of put a line of demarcation on it, is not glowing, um, is, is quite hypocritical for everything they say that they stand for. So it's difficult to, to kind of look at things like that. It's difficult to talk about the football of it all. Uh, if anybody cares, uh, the six games that Deshaun Watson is set to miss, um, season opener against the Carolina Panthers, your, I mean, you'll be very busy as a, as a part of that game, obviously. Um, you know, that game's been been heavily discussed. Uh, so they've got the Carolina Panthers. Then uh, for me, uh, when I'm Sam Donald again, um, the New York Jets in week two for the Browns, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Atlanta Falcons in week four, uh, the LA Chargers. I know you'll be in on that game, obviously, covering it for Bolts for the Blue, and the New England Patriots in week six. So if, if we look at those six teams, Panthers, Jets, Steelers, Falcons, Chargers, Patriots, even if you just look at the football of it all, we're talking about maybe one consequential game against the Chargers, um, maybe two if, if you're willing to lump the Steelers in there. And, and obviously they're a bit of a question mark with how they're going to be this season, but one divisional game. And so it all kind of lends to the, the, the I, I hate talking about the finances of it all uh, because that was so gross when, when he got the new deal with the Browns. It was so gross how the NFL and the Browns allowed for that to happen, for, for this loophole to be created, for, for him to be financially protected from a would-be suspension here, which is, is obviously what it was. And I, it was so gross, the the parading about it that happened by by the national insiders and bragging about the, the way it was broken and things like that. And so I, that, that, that part is just disgusting to me um, because, again, you know, it feels like an, an enormous amount of efforts were made to keep Deshaun, you know, protected here and to kind of protect the Browns. I mean, like this is a little bit, you know, lengthier in terms of assumptions here. Um, but the schedule I just read you, I mean, it, it's been known for a long time that Deshaun Watson was, was likely going to be suspended to start the season. I mean, who's to say, like, is it difficult? Is it impossible to believe that the NFL didn't give the Browns a, a few tomato cans to start the season so that their heavier games did feature their franchise quarterback at the center of it? Yeah, it just seems way, way too convenient the way everything shook out. I mean, the, most of this offseason, since the deal was signed, this $230, uh, $200 million guaranteed, fully guaranteed deal uh, came down where everyone in the NFL was able to kind of dunk on the Browns and say, like, I can't believe you guys gave um, Deshaun Watson this much money when, you know, he could we could never see him on the football field at least for a year or two. Like, people thought that's how long his suspension was going to be. And all of a sudden, yesterday they come out, the NFLPA came with a statement that said, like, we're not going to fight whatever the thing is, whatever the, the final um, result is, whatever Robinson says. Uh, we encourage Roger Goodell and the NFL to accept it as well, um, which I just thought was kind of weird. Not to say that I believe the NFL PA knew that it was going to be um, a type of sentence that they themselves probably wouldn't want to fight in the first place, but it would just seem convenient, right? That they were like, you know, whatever it is, we'll, we'll be fine with it. It just seemed like it was such a carefree thing for them to say when it seems like they almost knew that it wasn't going to be all that yeah, long, right like, you um, can't prove that nobody can right but you're right it's awfully yeah, yeah we can't it's, it's awfully convenient to to now in the in the aftermath be like well you know we we said you know we we were going to you know accept whatever the suspension was like Again, if we're reading between lines, it certainly seems like and look, the NFLPA exists for an enormously good reason and, and does enormous good for, for NFL players um, and the causes they fight for are obviously very noble and true mostly. But this feels kind of gross to, to your point, like it, it at least smells gross. It, it may not be gross, but it smells just like the NFLPA knew exactly what was happening and got ahead of it from a narrative standpoint. You know, just before we started recording all the, you know, the NFL Network, Good Morning Football, ESPN's covering this. Everybody's saying, well, you know, the NFLPA 
NFLPA released their statement that they were going to accept whatever punishment was given out. And they said that before the suspension was due. I mean, do we think that that this wasn't I mean, again, like there are some some assumptions being made here. Do you know what happens when you assume? But that that does that does not sit well, I think, with with most people in, in, in the way they feel about this. Yeah. And I mean, on top of the convenience of that situation, like they were ready. It seemed like the Browns were about to eat a ton of crow with, uh, you know, throwing a bunch of money away with this deal. Right. I mean, they, they paid all this money. He was guaranteed all of it. And, and it, we all expected one year, maybe two years an indefinite suspension. I mean, we kind of talked about with Calvin Ridley and kind of combining or comparing those things, like why it didn't make a lot of sense. Um, but all of a sudden, like he, the, 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 the numbers with the contracts, are also way too convenient, right? Like you just mentioned $333,333. That's the exact amount apparently that he will miss from these six games. Um, it just seemed like besides the NFLPA knowing something, it seemed like the Browns were oddly confident that they could restructure restructure his contract this way um, and really not be out all that much money um, at the end of the day. I mean, that's kind of insane. Like it, before I saw the numbers, never in a million years would I have thought that it would cost him, you know, a third of a million dollars to miss six games on a contract that's 230 million guaranteed. It absolutely did not make any sense. I did not think like, I know people can work wonders with the cap, but even I did not expect them to work this form of black magic. Like it was just absolutely insane. Everybody's scot-free. No one's really getting hurt by this. Like whatsoever, besides the people who obviously were hurt by the fact that it was a six game suspension in the first place. Deshaun also reportedly settled three of his remaining four civil suits on Monday. Um, So it does feel like, like all of everything, that, that can be done is being done to sweep this under the rug, um, which is just, it's really gross. I mean, it's, it's, it's disgusting. I mean, it's, and, and, you know, I, I don't know, let, let's get to your list because, you know, everybody's obviously DeAndre Hopkins is one example, but, but the, the sort of glaring example is Calvin Ridley and his year long suspension for gambling. Um, that that's what everybody's pointing to. But I, as I understand, you have several to work with. Um, let, let's just hear the list. Okay, so the first one I wrote down is obviously the D Hopkins right. one. Um, we pinned on that. Um, I, I think I saw you mentioned this morning or somebody else involved with the Cowboys mentioned that it's the same as uh, Ezekiel Elliott got in 2017 for being involved in a case. I don't think there was any, it wasn't innocent or guilty, or he at least wasn't found guilty, right? He was just involved in a case. Right. And um, however that ended, I can't Just for context, that was a very long uh, yep. year <laughs> to, like, to, to cover that. Yep. Um, the independent. Uh, investigator who was involved, the NFL hired, uh, recommended no games actually for him. That that was her recommendation, Lisa Friel. Uh, but Roger Goodell superseded that and gave Zeke six games. I'm sure the average football fan. I mean, obviously you're, you're not covering the Cowboys. Your members, the like, they, it was this like on again, off again. He suspended. No, he's not. He is whatever. He did ultimately serve the six game suspension, but it, it finally reached a point where they, the Cowboys and Zeke can no longer fight it midway through the 2017 season. It was a, this this cloud that really hung over them all year long. Right. Okay. So there's that. There's um. If you guys remember, I think this was 2010. Uh, ben Roethlisberger initially had a six-game suspension for allegedly forcing himself on a 20-year-old woman in a Georgia nightclub bathroom. Uh, that was actually uh, they ended up not pressing charges. It was reduced to four games. But like again, one incident compared to to 24 civil lawsuits. Right. Like just didn't make a lot of sense. It ended up being reduced when he wasn't charged officially uh, for this. Another one is Terrell Pryor. After he had left Ohio State, Terrell Pryor received a five-game suspension for for receiving improper benefits um, from his time at Ohio State. He received a five-game suspension in the NFL for something that supposedly happened at Ohio State. And if I remember correctly, he just signed and or sold uh, team gear that he got for free from Ohio State. 
That was it. Received five games in the NFL for something that didn't even happen while he was in the NFL. Um, and then you got a four-game suspension for Plaxico Burris accidentally shooting himself um, in a nightclub one night. Four games for taking a bullet to your own leg. Um, yeah, it's your leg. What, I mean, you, whatever you want to do, it's, it's your leg. <laughs> Great point. Right. Like, I mean, I know it's it's scary. Right. Like, you know, he had a gun somewhere he probably wasn't supposed to, but like he still shot himself and, and that was it. Right. At the end of the day, that's all the facts that he shot himself. Right. Four game suspension for that. And then this one isn't even in football, but Trevor Bauer in sure. the MLB got two years for non-criminal sexual assault allegations um, for everything he did. So like, I just think this builds a lot of context and shows you that the inconsistency is kind of wild. And I think we do have to note that, right, this is from Judge Sue Robinson. This is this is her right. um, coming down with a number. This isn't the NFL officially coming out and saying, like, we are suspending Deshaun Watson six games. This is from Sue Robinson. But then the NFL, the ball is in their court now, whether they want to appeal. And then I think you said that it's up to uh, Roger Goodell or whoever he appoints to actually make this a uh, um, final decision on the whole matter. But like, so that's a lot of things that really kind of shine a light on the, the again, the canyon of disparity between uh, what Deshaun Watson did, the six games he got, as opposed to all these other guys who got four, five, six games for something people would probably say is, is much less of a circus than what he put the NFL through this offseason. There were so many people who thought that after the Trevor Bauer suspension in, in Major League Baseball, that there's, you know, like the, the general take was like, there's no way the NFL doesn't doesn't drop the hammer on Deshaun, whatever. They, they can't do this. They can't look like it because if they if they don't sort of match that that suspension, they look like they condone this behavior. And all those things are fair contextually. Um, and so. I, I don't think it's dramatic or hyperbolic or, you know, exaggerative to say that. I mean, I don't think I think the legacy of Roger Goodell in this arena is poor. Like no matter what happens here, um, I don't there's no like redeeming that can happen. I don't, I don't think you, you can undo everything that he did. Um, you know, Roger Goodell's made the NFL owners a lot of money. Right. And so like maybe in that sense, people think his legacy is, is prominent. Um, but but this this is a fork in the road for Roger Goodell in the NFL. Like, who are you going to be? Are you going to be the MLB and pursue this, the, the, you know, the, this Trevor Bauer type suspension or, or something else, something more serious? Or are you going to just allow this? And that would be really gross. And the the general take by the, you know, again, the national level insiders is that, well, this this is different because this this did feature this independent person, this, this part of the new CBA, et cetera, Judge Robinson. So you can't, again, this is not my take. This is their take. You can't compare this to everything that Michael Peterson just said because these are, these are different circumstances. This is the new precedent being set. So, you know, we don't want to set a, a terrible precedent. I think it's okay to set a terrible precedent when something terrible has happened here. Um, um, Rachel, I, I think it's important to get your thoughts before we completely close this subject. Um, I, I'm, I know you agree with us, uh, but um, Deshaun Watson suspended only six games. Your thoughts? It's a joke. The entire situation to me is personally a joke. But I understand, you know, uh, what you just said, RJ, talking about bringing a new precedent, like making a new precedent. But you still have to factor in some of the stuff that has happened in the past. I don't know what the judge, uh, Sue Robertson, like, I don't know if she looked at these other cases, but to me, I'm like, she should have known, like she should have did her research, looked back and see what had already been done. Cause this to me is not enough personally. Like we already know how the NFL feels. Um, and the messages that they have made clear pretty much, you know, that they don't support certain individuals i'll just say that including women and some minorities as well so it's kind of just like disappointing to see because this season we're still gonna see the black lives matter we're still gonna see the uh breast cancer awareness like they they fake that they support these women and men and whatever but at the end of the day your actions continue to show that like you guys really don't care it's about the money 
Yeah. They actually got rid of um like the they like October used to be like they would it would be nothing but breast cancer awareness and they would you know the pink armbands and gloves. They got rid of all that. Now it's like uh it's like multicolored uh, support for different causes, which yeah. is cool and I felt like support different things, you know, but I mean to to your point Rachel, um you know, really gross the way they go about it. I do think this this is an important point uh before we completely leave this subject again. Uh you mentioned Ed Robinson Rachel. Uh according to NFL Network, her decision says that Deshaun's quote pattern of behavior was egregious but noted that it was quote Nonviolent sexual conduct. How? So, I—I I mean, okay. So, like, but like, I, again, I'm not like agreeing with yeah. Ed Robinson, but say say that, like, say this. You know, this judge obviously determined that it was nonviolent. Okay, then why are you suspending him at all? If it was nonviolent, why are you suspending him at all? You know, like that, like that, that that math doesn't make sense. It was either this is like you know people say like you're either pregnant or you're not pregnant like type stuff like you it was either something worthy of a suspension and if it was it should be a massive suspension or it was nothing and he shouldn't be suspended at all so again i'm not advocating for no suspension here rachel but if you truly believe it was non-violent then why did you suspend him at all then he shouldn't have been suspended in any single games i'm confused the entire thing to me like i said is a joke makes no sense I want someone to just make it make sense for me. Yeah, I'm trying with the, the I think the, the funniest thing to me is the the use of the word nonviolent sexual conduct as if like there is a level <laughs> of violence that needs to happen right. right to to make it as serious as it is. And then and then this idea of what is violent, and what's not it is super subjective, right? Like we've, we've read the testimonies, we've read the stories of like all the gross, disgusting things that apparently happened between Deshaun Watson and, the, and these masseuses and like what where's the line that constitutes being violent so there's like did he have to literally throw a punch did he have to physically like fight said masseuse or did he forcefully take a hand or something and put it somewhere where it wasn't supposed to be still using force it's still you know it doesn't change anything the the victims like whether you know he threw a punch or not shouldn't have changed whether or not he gets you know a year plus indefinitely or six games like it just doesn't make a lot of sense i think that's such a gray area there and um I don't know. It, it really doesn't. It just, it sounds. And I want to shout out um, both of you. Ahead, I'm, I'm adding my, you know, points for Monday football, Monday, you know, the MVP for later, both of you guys, fantastic job adding the context. Like Michael, you added the list of like other um, incidences that have happened in the past. That's very, very helpful. And also RJ, you talked about the games that he's going to miss, you know, and like the significance of that. So. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate the the MFW MVP points, but like that is so like I I don't know anyone that feels comfortable talking about that t- that today. Yeah. Like, oh man, how are we gonna like how how is any like Browns like we all have to like create content, but how is any Browns content creator like man? What are we gonna do against the Steelers yeah. in Week Three without Deshaun? Like who like who cares? <laughs> that is so meaningless right now. Um, yeah. so it's it's really really lame. Um, I'm sure you've both seen the very popular meme that the person with the sign that says um, our expectations were low. Yeah. Um, low. This, but this, holy this, shit. Yeah. Like, this is terrible. Yeah. Um, so uh, that that's what this feels like. And I also, this is my actual last point on this. And I'm curious for both of y'all's thoughts. And then we'll go to Emmett Smith uh, and get, get happy again. Um, I like, I don't, like how the NFL gets to kind of like be washed clean of this. Like judge Robinson has to carry all the weight here, right? Like, Oh, well, this is judge Robinson's decision. Like we, we didn't do anything. We have nothing to do with this. Like you allowed the contract to exist the way that it did. You allowed him to be traded. You allowed all the like media circus. And and look, we, we sat here, we talked about like who was going to be trading for Deshaun Watson on the Espionation NFL show. But I know, you know, the shows I've been part of and, and every show has, has added the necessary context that like, this is gross. Somebody's going to trade for him and this is going to be gross. Whoever winds up getting it. But so like the NFL 
advocated for all this attention the entire time. So I don't think it's fair to just for them to wash their hands clean of it and be like, well, you know what, Judge, this is all on Judge Robinson. Be mad at her. She's the one who decided six games. We we had nothing to do with this. You know what I mean? But didn't they have didn't they have to select her though? Yeah, I mean that's that's again like you know this this that's what's so like and I you know Michael Mike thing that to like simplify that that ultimately became about Roger Goodell did what Roger Goodell wanted to do and you know I don't I don't know what Roger Goodell believed what Zeke whether Zeke did or didn't do anything there were no criminal you know charges that ultimately landed um and so that's that's a different circumstance but that ultimately became about Roger Goodell fully and totally exercising his power that the CBA gave him and so you know what Roger Goodell if that's how you really feel if if the league really did advocate for an indefinite suspension of Deshaun Watson you have the power you have the authority we've seen it we've witnessed it you know we, we have seen it implemented and exacted on different players in different circumstances and I hate to say for lighter crimes because anything in this arena like it's so gross to measure this is worse this is better whatever like it's all awful and deplorable but if if roger goodell truly totally means it like you said rachel you want to wear you want to have everybody wear your you know multicolored hoodies and, and caps in, in the month of october whatever then do something about it say you know tell judge robinson that you disagree and that this has to be an indefinite suspension and that you're using the power of the cba to work for the greater good and if it doesn't happen i'd be it'd be it, that would somehow make this even more disappointing it's rough, man. It, it's it's weird. Like, I know I know you're kind of like you know passing it to us, but it's like you're hitting all the points, and then like I, I think we're kind of wanting to wring our hands as well of it. It's just it's gross. Like you know we don't want to spend too much time on it because we've spent so much time trying to avoid it in the first place, and we've we've done everything. But like it also feels kind of dumb to to sit here and say you know how terrible and it all is when when you know our opinions aren't going to change it. But we we hope that. Uh, something does happen. We hope Roger Goodell does make the right choice. Uh, he doesn't have a good track record of that. Um, but gosh, man, it's just, it's not a good, it wasn't a good way to start the day. It's just, it, it sucks. We hate it here. It's just confusing. What was it? I think it's also just confusing, like to the players. I'm not saying that, oh, this is like a pass for them, but in a way, I wonder how they're viewing all of this. When you look at what happened to Hopkins, when you look at what happened to all of the other players that we've already mentioned, right. and then you see this incident, it's like, what can I get away with in a way? To, to your point, Cordell Patterson tweeted right before we started uh, recording and streaming to, to free Calvin Ridley. And, you know, and again, it's just it's hilarious that the NFL is like Calvin violated the sacred gambling code <laughs> of conduct. You know, it's like, what? like, dude, I mean, like, it, like, it, like, however anybody feels about gambling, it is legal in, in some states. Right. So, like, fine. Like, again, maybe you personally like, you know, the morality in your life lends to you not, you know, advocating for gambling. It is still legal. It is still not a crime in, in lots of states. Um, and but this like what, what Deshaun Watson is, is involved with is um in no state, in no place, cool or legal or, or, or whatever. I know there's no criminal charges happening here, uh, but it just feels like leaning on black and white lettering to support the the narrative that you want want to support. Um, it sucks. Uh, and and now, as Michael put it, our faith is in Roger Goodell, which is a really terrifying, you know, it's like, I feel like we're jumping out of a plane and like the normal parachute doesn't work, but they're like, you still have the like emergency one. You'll, you'll be fine. You know what I mean? And I'm just, I'll tell you what, you're on your way down without a parachute. And they're like, Roger's going to jump out of the plane after you. And he has to make his way to you before you can pull the, <laughs> the string. And like, you just got to hope that he's capable well, of, you know, see, flying down to you. And securing you before he actually pulls the shoe. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. 
like the opening scene of Power Rangers when they're all like yeah. flying out of the the plane and they're all like in their special they're in their <laughs> colors. I always thought like guys, you want to be like superheroes in your city, be a little bit more inconspicuous. Why are you always wearing the color of Ranger you are? That was a little ostentatious. But um okay, let's lighten the mood. Uh we are on YouTube, uh, so you guys won't get this, but our podcast audience, if you want to hear it, head on over to the Espination NFL Show Get Your Podcast. The Emmett Smith interview happening right now, courtesy of our friends at Panini. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the SB Nation NFL show. I'm RJ Cho and I am not alone. I am joined by Pro Football Hall of Famer, the all-time great, the NFL's all-time leading rusher, one of my absolute favorite players. He is a walking talking legend emmett smith emmett thank you so much for taking the time to join the sb nation nfl show oh thank you man appreciate it it's always great speaking to you emmett and i understand you're at panini's vip party as we're speaking on saturday night working with the exclusive trading card partner of the nfl what's it like seeing your own panini trading card i'm sure you've never seen a trading card of yourself before Uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know it's been great i mean i obviously for years uh as a young person most people grew up and not I never collected trading cards. I saw them, but I never really collected them. But then when you become a professional athlete and you start to see your name and your image on, on a piece of, uh, on a trading card and so forth, you start to really understand that there's a bigger industry beyond the game itself. And so this relationship that I've had with Panini over the last several years has been excellent. Uh, work with them on some, on various products. And, uh, I just enjoy the partnership right now. No, I know you only choose to work with the best. And so it makes sense that you would have partnered up with Panini way back when. Um, I think this would be a fun question to ask Cowboys fans, but but it's even more fun to ask you. Is there a specific moment from your career that you would like to see on a Panini trading card? Uh, you know, that's a, that's a great question. Um, there, you know, I've had and enjoyed so many great moments. If I could have moments that I could share with 2,500 different fans, there might be something I can possibly uh, drum up. I mean, I got ideas and thoughts, but, you know, there's been great moments. Panini does a great job of capturing various moments of every athlete's career and put it on a trading card, and they get it out there. So and it's quality product. That's awesome. Well, so I was kind of playing around by asking that question to myself. If, if I could choose a moment for Emmett, uh, what would it be? And I think a lot of people would, would flock. I introduced you as the NFL's all-time leading rusher. You are the Russian king, Emmett. I, I would pick that moment. I, w- I would love to, you know, I've, I've got a photo of that in my office. You know office. what, that, that, is a, that, is a mo- that is a moment that could be memorialized, the NFL rushing title that day. I broke the record. I mean, there's probably so many images there that can be immortalized into a trading card that's very unique and very special. 
And, you know, you never know, 25 years of anniversary is coming up. I'm celebrating 20 years of anniversary on uh, October 27th of this year. So there might be something we can work out. You, That's what know. I'm, you know what, Emmett? I don't even need the cut. You know what I'm saying? I, I gave you the idea, but I just want to take the idea and run with it. All right. Just don't forget that I told it to you. It's all between you and Panini. Uh, can you believe it's been 20 years? I, I mean, I, I do think that that's important. Man. I mean, it, it's crazy. It is crazy. Time flies and it waits for no person. And so, and I think the older I get, the, the more I realize that it's moving quickly. I mean, I see my kids continuing uh, to graduate from high school, go off to college and graduate from college. And, and move on up the ranks. Yes, it's reminding me that I am getting older. And yes, that record is still standing too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know um, I know you kept that jersey and that whole uniform in a warehouse um, that was chronicled on your episode of A Football Life. Great stuff uh, that happened there. You mentioned your, your kids in college. I'm a Texas Aggie myself. So, you know, I'm a big fan of, of what you got going on, Emmett, where your money's going to. Um, as, as we bring it to the current Cowboys, um, I, you know, Zeke Elliott is a player who many have, have sort of wanted and, and willed to, to sort of be Emmett reincarnated. And I know that you've enjoyed Zeke and his career. Right. Um, this has been a very interesting offseason as far as the way Cowboys fans perceive him. You and I are talking on Saturday, and earlier today, Jerry Jones said that Zeke has to be the focus of the run game. Do you agree with that, or do you think that Tony Pollard should be involved? There's no doubt. So you agree? There's no doubt. There's no doubt. I know. Uh, yes, I do agree 100%. Zeke Elliott is our number one guy and should be the focal point of the entire offense. I mean, at the end of the day, I love Tony Pollard. But Zeke is our one, two, three guy. The question becomes, how long can any man last in this league? Stephen Jones said it best. They don't make them like they used to. I mean, I'm old school throwback. It is what it is. First, second, and third down backs all day long. As AP would say, all day. That was us. Nowadays, it's running back by committee. And that's only by design. It's not, it's not saying that he cannot handle it. You got to put it in his hand to give him a chance to prove that he can I think that's well said. That that kind of lends to if I had to pick a different moment from your career for a Panini trading card, I'd, I'd pick, you know, everybody knows that the road game in New York when your shoulder was all beat up, uh, very, very few running backs could do what you did that day. Um, so again, you know, I don't need to cut from that either. I mean, I'm just here to help you um, on, on the subject of um, of history. Um, next week is, is the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and it's it's always a great kind of kickstarting to, to a new season beginning. Right. Um, last year, your head coach, right. Jimmy Johnson, goes in. It's a huge, awesome Cowboys event, and I'm sure just you know chock full of memories. Uh, and it was then that Jerry Jones said on the Fox set with your boy Troy Aikman that, that Jimmy Johnson would be enshrined in the Ring of Honor. And here we sit a year later, right. and, and Jerry's had opportunities to kind of, you know, add some detail to that and he's he's chosen not to do, do you think this this will happen when do you think it'll happen what are your thoughts there yeah it's gonna happen it's gonna happen it's gonna happen there's no doubt it's gonna happen and um, jimmy definitely deserved to be in the ring of honor and i think jerry will make that happen just a matter of uh jerry trying to find probably the the most proper time to maximize the moment you know, that's, uh, that's very well said. Uh, certainly, um, that's, you, you know, that well as, as a member of this franchise for a very long time, what is next week like for you? I, I know that that's in the future, but you've been to the hall of fame enshrinement many different times. Um, I was at your own personal mm -hmm. enshrinement. Um, is, is, is it, you know, not everybody who's up there has your resume I and mean, yeah, everybody's got a gold jacket, but not everybody's got Super Bowl rings and nobody else has the NFL's all time leading rushing title. Is it, is it kind of a, an opportunity for you to flex or just visit with other greats of the game you know one thing about us athletes man and hall of famers we don't flex on each other we all there to enjoy each other we all on the same team we all understand the process 
that we all had to go through in order to get to that place. And so it's one of those moments where you're just grateful and thankful that you've been selected out of a handful of athletes who have ever played the game to end up in a place as special as can. Period. That's all. That's awesome. Um, Tarrant Cowboys have a lot of greats on their team. Uh, last time you and I spoke was the Super Bowl right before Tom Brady got his seventh ring, and, and you advocated for Dak Prescott getting paid. That has since happened. Um, have, have you, since, since you've, you know, since your career has ended, or your playing career, rather, have you seen another player like Dak in terms of how special he is to the locker room and, and how sp- it's, it's difficult to be a Cowboy? You understand, understand that better than anybody else, but have you ever seen another player like right. Dak Prescott? No, not, not well. The only other one that I will see that, that stepped up and, and and was a leader was Tim Tebow. And when you see young kids coming out of college taking on that mantle, Tim Tebow did it. Uh, Drew Drew Brees was was a guy in his huddle. Uh, there was many great leaders that stepped up, but but Dak Prescott has been one of those guys that commanded his whole offense. And I think Joe Burrow's is doing the same thing up in Cincinnati. Yeah, I think that that's uh, that's a great comp too. And, and Tim, T- people, you know, people think one way of Tim Tebow, but as far as you know, how he led a huddle, that's that's a great comparison there. Um, I would be remiss yep. if I didn't ask you for your thoughts on on this season when it comes to the Cowboys, Emmett. Obviously, you're going to guarantee a Super Bowl win, uh, but I mean, how, how do you see this season unfolding? <laughs> it's it's been a very no, strange no, I'm, I'm, I'm few months. I'm going to leave the guarantee into a Super Bowl win to Michael Irvin. I'm, I'm going to just say <laughs> our Cowboys have. And I said this many, many years in a row. It's not that we don't have the talent. The question is, can we become mentally tough enough and have the stamina to last an entire football season without making too many mistakes and capitalizing? When I look at my Cowboys, I'm looking at them in quarters. The first quarter of the season, which will be the first four weeks of the season, the second quarter, and are we making progression? Are we getting better? Are we eliminating mistakes as we continue to play games? Or are we making the same old mistakes? And do we get lackadaisical and lose focus somewhere point, some point in time in the middle of the season to where we can never recover? Those are the things I'm looking for. Injuries are the one things that can hurt any team. But if you stay focused and stay committed and everybody's prepared to go in every week, we should be okay. Last one for you, Emmett. I know you're very busy. Uh, when it comes to Mike McCarthy, like I said, it's, it's very difficult and very different to be associated with the Cowboys, to be the Cowboys running back, the Cowboys quarterback. And in Mike McCarthy's case, the Cowboys head coach. Um, it, it, I mean, everybody knows the storylines. Everybody knows what's been said and what's been written and Sean Payton and whatnot. Um, what, if you could offer advice to Mike McCarthy for this season with, with everything hanging over his head, what, what would Emmett Smith, the NFL's all-time leading rusher, say to him? I would say to Mike McCarthy, like I would say to the Dallas Cowboys, y'all know what you need to do. You need to be mentally focused, mentally prepared, mental toughness, and then be physically ready at the same time. And then just run your race. Discount all the other noise because all this out here is just distractions. Stay focused on what you need to do as a team. Put everything else on the sideline and then allow the chips to line up where they may. And at the end of the day, when you put all that together, you have something to be proud of. If you don't do that, just say this whole season was a waste. That's a good philosophy for life in general. Run your race. I love that, Emmett. Uh, it's great to see you're enjoying yourself. Run with tons your of race. football. <laughs> uh, I love that. I also love your, right, your write, write things down. It's only a dream until you write it down, then it's a goal. Um, I've, I've loved all the things yep. that you've said over your, your life, Emmett. Uh, great to see you hanging out with everyone at the Panini and the partnership that you have going on. Wish you nothing but a great football season. Lots, lots of great food and fun times and experiences and, and hopefully, uh, hopefully some fun. You know, that's, that's what we want more than anything else. Thank you so much for joining the SB Nation NFL show. All right, bro.
All right, welcome back, Michael. Um, we took a break, obviously. Uh, even the YouTube audience, uh, you said that you went and made a four-course brunch uh, throughout uh, that break. Uh, <laughs> what were two of the courses? Two of the courses. Um, let's see. I made a super bougie uh, biscuits and gravy with an apple fennel slaw and a turkey sausage. Turkey Whoa. sausage in the gravy. Um, absolutely phenomenal. And then uh, another one was my one of my favorite dishes I've ever had, which is a kind of a sweet and savory um, appetizer where you cut small glazed donuts in half and you put a piece of pork belly in the middle. And then um, you have a side Whoa. of mango. It's like mango salsa or something like that. Um, mango bourbon syrup sauce. Actually, that's what it is. Not a salsa. But uh, yeah, I like to eat super bougie brunches. Um, please don't judge me. I like to get my money's worth could. and uh, try some cool stuff. <laughs> We could tell. Holy crap. Um, I need to try that donut thing. Yeah. But I feel like it has to be a little bit um, like a little bit bagel-y. You know, like it can't be like a super soft donut is my takeaway. I mean, it, yeah, like I one. get that because if, if the donut's soft, like the pork belly is melt in your mouth, right? You're just going to slide right through it. Um, so right, right, if you right, want right. a little bit of, you know, uh, contrast in the textures and stuff like that, sure. Um, but really, the main part is the sweet and savory stuff is what you want to hit on. Good deal. Um, shout out to Emmett Smith for joining us here on Monday Football Monday. Um, Michael said that Ladanian Tomlinson was a better running back. I mean, just in case you're still listening, but whatever. Um, uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway uh, okay, Michael, let's let's kind of blitz through some big things it's happening just now. Uh, Orlando Brown Jr.'s agent confirmed that he will sign the franchise tag tender from the Kansas City Chiefs and report to training camp today on Monday. So the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line just got fortified as the guy who runs our Chargers side. How pissed are you? I mean, a little pissed. I mean, I, I think you always feel a little something <laughs> when, um, you know, things start going right for the teams uh, around you. Um, you don't wish for injuries or anything crazy to like have your opponent, you know, uh, your rivals players, you know, not on the field. But this is something that I kind of expected. Uh, I didn't think he was going to hold out all that long. He's coming back. Um, I, I will say that in hindsight, I am glad the Chargers did not make a move for Orlando Brown um, in the past because he's been a little more maybe a little diva-ish than you kind of expected. He wanted to go somewhere and contribute. It's like, at least the way he was kind of putting vibes out there was that like, you don't need to pay me an exorbitant amount of money to come play. I want to come play for a team that wants me, who wants me to come play left tackle and give me that opportunity. Um, that's the biggest priority. And then for him to kind of, play this hardball right with the chiefs i had a training camp and, and all of a sudden like now he changes tune and he's like i want all the money in the world i want to be the highest paid left tackle um if i don't get that then you know i'm going to do a little bit of a holdout and whatever that he's doing now yes he's reporting but I, i'm fine with that because chargers don't have to deal with it but he's going to return to the chiefs they'll be a good team we'll just see how it goes yeah i think you know the chiefs are a team that and I know this probably bothers you, generally don't have this kind of drama. You know what I mean? Like it all kind of ultimately works out. Um, I know they had the hiccup of last season that I greatly enjoyed. Um, and um, and yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, kind of, you know, whatever. Good for them. Um, okay, moving on. Uh, Debo Samuel, Michael, has a new deal. Um, all of the wide receiver drama this season is now in the books. Um, Debo has his deal. He, I don't, did you see this? He had liked a tweet in the off season, um, connecting him to the Cowboys. Did you see this? I did not know. Yeah. He, um, he liked a tweet that was like, you would look good in a Cowboys uniform, blah, blah, blah. Um, but you know, whatever, uh, three years, $71.55 million extension with $58.1 million guaranteed, uh, effectively the same deal that DK Metcalf got. Um, you know, the agent who works for Debo Samuel also works for, uh, DK Metcalf and 
AJ Brown. So a pretty good time to be uh, this particular NFL agent. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what, when when Mike Williams got his three year, $60 million deal uh, way earlier in the offseason, that felt like a hefty chunk of change. And then I think as it stands now, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, respectively, are like 11th and 12th in terms of average per year, um, which just looks a lot better, right? Um, I'm glad he got the deal. He's uh, such a versatile, such a fun player. I remember watching him in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. Shout out Senior Bowl here on my chest um, to you, watching him just absolutely tear it up down there. Um, so the success definitely isn't a surprise whatsoever. Um, you know, he had a he had a heck of a year in 2021. It's crazy to see him still get this deal. I understand like why teams maybe want to play hardball with him because he did miss, I want to say, seven games in 2020. He missed one in 2019, one last year. So, I mean, he hasn't been like absolutely tearing uh, the league asunder for three straight seasons, right? Um, his stats right now, I think, are like 2,700 total receiving yards um, total. But like last season, seven, over 1,700, just under 1,800 total yards from scrimmage. Uh, he did become the first receiver with 1,000 receiving yards and then five receiving touchdowns, five rushing touchdowns in a single season. So he did something historic. Does that, you know, automatically assume he should get one of these big contracts in today's NFL? Yes. I mean, we all saw what the wide receiver market's looking like. You better get these guys pinned down, even if it's just been, you know, a one year uh, breakout type situation. You better get them down now before you look bad later. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm very interested to see what his usage is like in 2022, because that was a big part of the story, too. Right. He didn't want to be like a running back anymore. And obviously he's an incredibly unique player. Um you know, I, I know this because of the wild card round um, and how wonderful he was for the 49ers, obviously. Um, but I agree, like, at, at the end of the day, like, even even if you're some 49ers fan that's like, oh, no, we're not going to use him as a running back anymore. Like, how are we going to get our money's worth? Who cares? Like, the, the salary cap's going to grow forever. You can afford to pay anybody anything. Like, that's that's been proven time and time and time again. You mentioned Mike Williams. It was actually the Mike Williams deal that really upset me, you know, from a Cowboys perspective, because that's, that's what, like, overly justified the Amari Cooper contract. Was like, dude, if uh, no offense to Mike Williams, but if Mike Williams is making this, then like, who cares what Amari, if Amari Cooper is making $20 million a year, you're fine. Like $20 million a year is nothing. And if you think it's nothing now, it will be like double nothing next year when new players get paid. And that's what's happened here. The receiver market has exploded. I mean, you mentioned Mike Williams, now Debo, we've got Terry McLaurin, AJ Brown. Um, I, I already forgot DK Metcalf, Devontae Adams, Tyree Kill. Um, I mean, it is just unst next year. We got Justin Jefferson coming to the mix. You know what I mean? Like it is only going to on cd lamb maybe like it is only going to grow and grow and grow and grow and the niners will see what happens with jimmy garoppolo but you have a quarterback on a rookie contract seemingly right for the next like you know few years like maximize that capitalize on that so yeah debo makes your team better who cares what he wants give it to him you'll be fine you can work it out in the end yep i absolutely agree sometimes you just got to pay your good players good money um if you i think there's a big difference mm. between like a bona fide stud in the NFL where you know in your heart of hearts, like this dude's different, this dude's special, we need to keep him around. And then just like some guys that you could like turn into good players within your system and stuff like that. I mean, Debo's a bona fide stud. He can do things that a very, very small fraction of players in the NFL can do. I think once you realize that the money, you know, at the end of the day, you'll forget what he's paid or what he was paid in the future once he's like succeeded and done all these things that you expect him to do for the team. So like in the present, you can you can think what you want. I think in a couple of years, this deal really will, will look much much, much better. I agree. Um, last thing on this note, um, AJ Brown tweeted about this. Now, the um, the SB Nation NFL show listeners don't like my take on AJ Brown. And I don't know if you've heard it in totality, Michael. It's that like, I, if I had to classify a winner and a loser from the AJ Brown trade, I think the Titans are the winner and the Eagles are a loser. That's not to say I think that it's a terrible trade or anything, but I just think that, you know, like, 
giving up assets to pay a receiver on top of that is questionable. Now, fine, like we just said, pay good players good money and figure it out. And the Eagles are doing that. So like on that, you know, side of things, I, I get it. But also, you know, just draft players, pay new players, hit free agency, things like that. Again, the, the take has, has gotten a little bit weird, but AJ Brown kind of added this weird energy to the Debo moment. Um, he tweeted on Sunday, Michael, basically all four of us got the same contract and I'm the only one who got traded. Yeah. Keep believing it was me anyway, go birds with the Eagle emoji. And then the hashtag carry on. This just feels like, dude, let it go. Like, you know, like you, you're not in Tennessee anymore. Like they didn't want to pay you. You felt disrespected. Fine. But like, let it go. Like it's water under the bridge at this point in time. This is, you know, and I think Eagles fans are going to have his back no matter what. But this just looks a little bit weird from AJ Brown. And, and again, I'm not saying like he sucks or anything like that. But like, just, you know, not 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 the coolest moment in my mind. Yeah, I get that. I was actually a big fan of AJ Brown when he was coming out in the draft. I liked him over DK Metcalf. But now you hate him because he's on the Eagles, right? Respect. Oh, yeah, I sure, right. whatever. We'll just we'll just say that happened. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I've liked AJ Brown. I loved his game. Um, I think at the end of the day, I, you're correct in that. Hey, man, like a lot of stuff has happened since you were traded and, and got your deal and stuff. Like, I, I think you're probably fine just kind of letting it go. Um, and in all honesty, I think in hindsight, like. I think you're better off with the Eagles, which seems like a team that really wants to feature you. And uh, if, if anything, I think you're going to have a, a better experience in, in Philadelphia. I think you're going to have um, better wide receivers to play with. Um, I know you were used a lot and, and the Titans focused on you and their offense, but like that's still Derrick Henry's offense. And like, they'll find a way to make sure their receivers can benefit off the play action and everything that Derrick Henry opens up for that offense. While like with the Eagles, they're going to like sling it around the yard with Jalen hurts. And you're going to be a prime benefactor of that. Um, in general, I just think like the situation is much better for you in Philadelphia. And once you yourself kind of realize that there's no point in looking back or saying anything about the Titans or whatever, like, that can be petty and we can hold the petty stuff as much as we like petty around here. Um, it just doesn't seem like something that needs to be, that needs to stick around uh, much longer. You're better off in Philadelphia. Let's just leave it at that. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, except Philadelphia sucks. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, it's just, we, we, we could be cool. Like we can, we can be straight up, straight honest uh, about it, but okay. Last um, kind of thing for this Monday football Monday is just, blitzing through some training camp storylines that have happened so far this was actually the plan for the show um and then the Debo contract happened and then the Deshaun stuff happened um so what has happened throughout training camp that has caught your eye that you've loved that you've enjoyed whatever the floor is yours Michael uh because I have one that I think um you're gonna like but I want to save it go ahead okay yeah I think my favorite one um that's happened so far is that um in, in the first week of training camp two fights broke out with the Atlanta Falcons during one of the practices um and Arthur Smith actually got in the middle of one of them to help break it up now why this is interesting is because Arthur Smith has wanted to like quote unquote change the culture of the Atlanta Falcons right they've kind of been a dumpster team for a little bit ever since they lost that Super Bowl against the Patriots and, and the fashion that they did uh, they just haven't been the same thing they've been nowhere close to the way they were that year um so I always find this interesting because I think coaches and fans in general have a very different opinions on what like in team fighting like this looks like and what it means for them. Some people say, Oh, that team, they're going to end up, you know, they're going to end up being bad. They suck. They can't even like work together, blah, blah, blah. Um, if you're like my high school head coach, then you love seeing your team fight amongst themselves because at least it showed you a, a level of fire, a level of drive and aggressiveness and just stuff like that, that you can take and like mold and point it in the right direction to help your team go to, to a, you know, to a different level and succeed in the future. So I just really thought this was interesting. It was nice to, for Arthur Smith to see his his players fighting amongst each other and not think like, oh, I've done a bad job as a coach. I need to like, you know, I need to run them more. I need to do this, this or that. Uh, he's like, this is a good thing. This shows fight within this team. And I can take that, mold it, and make this team better for it. I love that. Um, 
I'm still not like super high on the Falcons or Arthur Smith. Um, but yeah, that's cool. I mean, I I like the training camp. Like, I want to see like a brawl, like not like a Joe Judge Giants brawl. Uh, but that's what I want to see. And actually, the subject of fights is where I was going. Josh Allen's been scrapping it up a little bit at Bills practice. Did you see this? That he got in a fight, a little bit of skirmish with Jordan Phillips, um, because Jordan got a little bit too close to him. And here's what I have to say to this. I get it. Some people think their quarterbacks are coddled, whatever. Josh Allen's literally one of the, like, I don't know, three best players in the NFL, right? Is that is that ridiculous to say? I don't think that ridiculous, right? no. You know, three, five, if you want to be, like, a little, you know, you want maybe you see somebody else doing a little bit better than him, whatever. He is one of the most important players in the NFL. If you wear a Buffalo Bills jersey, he is the most important person in a 100-mile radius of you, right? Like, <laughs> like, there's nobody within 100 miles who's more important to you this year than Josh Allen, what are you doing getting too close to him? And I kind of love. I'm kinda, look. I've I've gone back and forth on the Bills because I look. I've been team Bills for a while, Michael, and I was upset that they whined and complained. I know I told you about the coin toss thing. I'm back. All right, I had my moment where I, I was. I put them in timeout. Bills are my AFC team this year. I know I, I love the Ravens too. Sorry about your Chargers, but I'm I'm I can't. I've I've been with them too long. I've I've been on this ride for far too long. I have to see it through. Um. I, I kind of like the energy that's happening at Bill's camp. And I know that makes me like a victim of the machine that I complained about. Um, something I really liked just again, this was like standard training camp, like tropey sort of thing. Um, Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs were on the NFL network set on back together Saturday, uh, which was the building that happened um, on Saturday, obviously. And they were having Turkey burgers. I like Turkey burgers. So I just kind of felt like, Hey, you know, we're one in the same me, Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, Von Miller. We're all part of the mafia together. Yeah. Are you so important that no one can get close to you either? Or there's going to be scrapping. Is that you're comparing that as well? Oh, the, the only person who can get close to me is Michael Peterson. Oh, oh well, I'll take that for something, <laughs> That's right. I guess. Uh, uh, but yeah, like, do you do you think that's coddling? Because that that take is like out there, like, ooh, back in my day, they used to like take the quarterback's head off during. Training so training, I'll actually answer know? that with with a quick anecdote. So in in high school, we would during summer workouts and stuff, we'd go spend three days at a local uh, army base, and we would basically do two days and kind of live that life for a little bit as we got ready for the upcoming season. And I remember one specific practice where I was, I think, a sophomore at the time, and sophomores went with you know the juniors and seniors and uh, the whole lot. And I remember a specific practice where a kid my age, like on scout team defense, essentially, since you're a sophomore, um, got too close to the quarterback. And I actually think he hit his arm when it was back, ready to throw a pass. And I had never seen my coach flip out more than he did in this very moment. Um, besides just like the, the harsh words he had for this kid, um, he made him run, like start running around the field, but barely as he got kind of into his trot, the coach went and grabbed a full water bottle and chucked it at this kid's head. Um, while he's still cursing him out, telling him like, you know, this, he's the most important person on this field. Um, you're just the biggest idiot for even trying to get near him. Like the whole season's ruined if you don't have him. So like, that's the experience I came from. So like, I completely understand, um, the idea of wanting to protect your quarterback. And I get the, yes, the biggest difference is this was a high school kid, you know, in high school football level, as opposed to a guy making millions upon millions upon millions of dollars who is supposed to lead an entire NFL franchise to the promised land. Um, so like, of course, I would like to think people freaked out more uh, when people get too close to Josh Allen, as opposed to the way my coach did, you know, against this one kid. So like, I don't necessarily think it's coddling. I do think there's a little bit of gray area when you realize that Josh Allen's as large as of a human being as he is, he's the size of some defensive ends and edge rushers in the NFL playing quarterback so like I think he'll be fine but you never want to press that you know too much yeah why why are you flirting with disaster you know what I mean it's like um 
like like I remember when I was in college, a friend of mine, uh, his name was Kyle. He got a new phone, um, and it was like a, a like you know this was at the time when like new phones was like it was like a big deal yeah. when you got a new phone because you know it's like oh the camera's better and stuff like now it's like <laughs> pff, they're all the same. But anyway, um, so he he was like letting us look at it and see like it had one of the, it was one of those first that had the like you could unlock it with the pattern yeah. and everything like that. You can make like an M or whatever. Uh, maybe that's what you did for Michael. Um, but. Um, he was like, whatever you do, don't drop it, you know, because like the house we were in was like tile and I dropped it. Like that was like, the <laughs> first thing I did. And I felt like so bad because I was like, holy crap, like this is a really important thing to you. And I, I did the one thing that you're not supposed to do. So I kind of feel that way about Jordan Phillips. Like, dude, the one thing, like don't touch the quarterback. Like just don't don't breathe on him. Don't come. Don't go anywhere near him, because if he goes down, you know, your season is is a very, very different thing. Um, and th this is this is the most important bill season maybe ever. Right. Like, is that kind of fair to say? Like, you you could certainly make that argument um and so yeah like don't don't play with fate you know what i mean it's just it's silly it's it's like when you you know turn your like playstation off when the little like saving icons go on, you might lose the safe don't don't play with fate just wait um do you have any other storylines that stood out to you uh let's see yeah so i uh i think i need to bring up the dolphins in that i think it was this past week where tyree kill and jay wallet kind of combined on a on a quote that basically said like defenses should be scared shitless like I, I think that's kind of amazing. I think that the confidence is there. I mean, as, as, as ill will, you know, sometimes I wish upon Tyree kill because of being a former chief, like I, I like that confidence. And I, I think they're, they have every right to, to feel that way. Um, and to think that opposing defenses will be scared because obviously two elite talents, elite speed on top of actually being well-rounded wide receivers. Like it's, it's kind of insane. I, I really like that. But one note that kind of came from Dolphins camp is that uh, uh, Mike McDaniel wants Mike Gesicki to be more of a blocker this year compared to like any other season he'd ever been as a blocker, whether that was in the pros or, or a college at Penn state, like he's the epitome of a tight end that he's like, no, I'm good on blocking. Like I'm good enough as a receiver and a jump ball threat in the red zone and stuff like that. Like you don't need me. Like he became so valuable in other areas as a receiver that uh, they could just figure out another way to figure out how to, how to, how to block guys. Um, but this year, Daniel comes in year one. And he's like a sickie. I know you've kind of had it easy in the NFL, but like, we're going to put your hand in the dirt. We're going to make you, you know, put on some mass and work on your technique. And like, you're going to be a blocker. So I think that's hilarious to me. I agree. Um, I love how everybody's like shocked. Like, wait a minute, the guy coming from, from San Francisco wants to run the ball a lot. Like, Whoa, what a, what a weird, you know, kind of revelation here. Um, I agree with you on the Tyreek Hill thing. I know he like, he gets roasted by people for this. Like, Oh man, this dude's like hyping up to it. Like, I kind of love that. Like, I kind of, you know, respect. Like, that's your guy. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I've always thought it was stupid how Terrell Owens got crap for his that's my quarterback thing. Like, what, what, like, isn't that how we would want, like, our players, like, the the skill position players, to or anybody to speak about the quarterback? Like, that? that's, like, endearing. So, um, I agree. Uh, my last thing is I kind of feel like staying in the AFC East, like, the Jets are having an okay time right now. Like, we haven't heard, like, I feel like, you know, they signed Quan Alexander, who, and I'm like kind of into that. I don't know. I'm I'm so like torn on what to think about the Jets because on one hand I could see Robert Sala like having a terrible season and being fired, right? Like, cause that's just what the Jets do. But on the other hand, I could kind of see like everything clicking and and things working for them. They the Jets are interesting. Like, I'm I'm not like in on them by any stretch, but they just have enough to make me kind of go, huh? Like I'll enjoy the primetime games that are on this season more than I have in years past. Yeah, I agree. I think if you just look at the roster, while it's not like one of the most impressive things in the world, they have players at certain positions to make up enough of the roster for you to go. You know, I think they can they can 
lean into some of these areas where they are strong and actually find more success than people maybe give them. Uh, Zach Wilson, we'll see how he is in year two. But when you're throwing to a guy like Elijah Moore, who I really liked last year, kind of came on strong towards the end. Uh, Garrett Wilson, another really exciting rookie wide receiver to add to that offense as well. On the offensive line, Makai Becton and Elijah Vera Tucker are working together on the right side. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, like, look at the Chargers last season. All they needed was like one half of an offensive line to, to, to find much more success as opposed to years past where they just had like, you know, sparingly good players across the front five. Um, defensively as well, Jermaine Johnson was an exciting player coming out of the draft at edge rusher. Uh, like you said, Quan Alexander as well. I just think Sauce Gardner, one of the best names, obviously, that came out of the draft right. this last yeah. year. Um, fan reception has been huge to him. I think someone tweeted out that you would have thought Sauce was like actual royalty the way when he like waltzed by the fans, their reception to him. You know, and I think all that hype's absolutely phenomenal. And I, I think it, the hype's not misplaced. They've got a lot of young guys to be excited about. If it's not this season, you just know they're probably going to be a lot better next season. Like if this season doesn't go well, you still have the young talent plus whatever draft picks you have. I think it's, it's a good time to have real excitement for the Jets uh, going forward. Agreed. Um, plus the the vibes around Zach, like everybody right now is like into Zach Wilson. It's, it has nothing to do with football. You know what I mean? But everybody's like enjoying him more than they ever have. Um, so it, at least people around the Jets are having a good time. And so I'm happy for them in that sense. Um, but okay. Uh, Rachel, the time has come. Three things, Rachel. Number one, uh, what do you think of the uh, the donut thing that Michael described? Uh, number two, what is your favorite training camp storyline? And number three, of course, the MF double MVP. And you, just to be clear, uh, the rules as we dictated last week are anybody who was on the show uh, is eligible. So that does leave Emmett Smith uh, as a viable option. But go ahead. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I'm going to go out of order. Training camp headlines. I thought it was interesting to see Nick Sirianni downplaying the fact that running back Miles Sanders was like running with the uh, second team offense. I thought that that was interesting. Mm. Something to watch. That's that. It's that highlighter he's got in his visor. Yeah. It clouds his thinking. Yeah. yeah. Um, can you remind me of the donut thing? Oh yeah. Okay. So it's like a sweet and savory kind of like brunch appetizer where they make little um just like basic glazed donuts you get from Krispy Kreme or, or wherever you know your chain is um cut it in half and then they put a piece of pork belly um in the middle if you ever had pork belly like it's just melt your mouth it's like an half like horizontally just yeah fair, so like right? not like, through like the hole right. like yeah. through yeah horizontally right. yeah <laughs> yep, yep, yep. and then um so a piece of pork belly and it's just like it's the softest melt in your mouth part of the pig like you can make like it's absolutely phenomenal um and that's obviously got some savory stuff to it um and then on the side you get like a maple bourbon kind of like syrup to dip it in so again sweet and savory i'm a big contrast guy and uh one of the best dishes i've ever had i had it down in savannah georgia um big food place down there it was absolutely phenomenal i would definitely try it i mean i'm one of those people who will get like those um donuts with the bacon on it so it's kind of reminding me of the same con concept like those maple okay, bacon. I could see that. Have you had one? Very good. Maple bacon. I, I have not. I've, I've never tried this like bacon donut thing, but like I'm I'm really interested in what Michael suggested now. So I, I have to go down this path. Yeah. So yeah, I'm here for it. I would definitely try it. The time has come, Rachel. The time has come. <laughs> Double MVP. Okay. Um, I'm going to give it to RJ. Woo! Let's go. Two in a row against Michael the King. Yes. Let's go. I have not wow. listened to the interview yet. I'm going to listen to it, but you had to take the time to prep for it and get, I know you did a fantastic job. So 
it's only right that I give it to RJ. Woo-hoo! I mean, that's fine. It doesn't sound like I went wrong anywhere, so I'll accept this. That, that's fine. It didn't, you know, I, 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 like I said, I went back and worked on my fundamentals and tried to come correct. And uh, it just looks like something was out of my control. And uh, that's fine. I will totally uh, yes. doff my cap to RJ for all his work. Yeah. Really what it feels like, Tony, or Tony, I, I had a message about a guy on our staff, Tony, right now at the same time, Michael, um, that's, I promise that's not like a dismissive, like I'm MFWP, like everything's gone to my head thing. Uh, but um, what it feels like is this was a, a measurement of who was taller. And to Rachelle's point, like I did the interview, like I came in, you know, with, with some like heightened shoes. You know what I mean? Like it, was, it wasn't a fair fight. You know what I'm saying? Like I, the Emmett thing just kind of put me over the top. And so um, if I'm riding the NFL all-time leading rusher shoulders for an episode to an MFW MVP, I'm fine with that. You know, that's that's just that's that's who I am. You know what I mean? That, that's who I am today. So uh, really, I, I, I accept this award ratio, but I split it in half with Emmett. I mean, he deserves part of it, you know, because – you know, he helped me get here, so I, I can't do it without him. So. Fair. Wow. Um, wow. Well, um, we had a good time despite the super ugly thing that happened. Um, so shout out to everybody uh, for hanging out with us. Rachel is on Twitter at Rachel Monique. Michael is on Twitter at Zone Tracks. Oh, by the way, I don't know that either of you saw this. Um, basically, everybody agreed with me on the golden birthday thing. Uh, people were tweeting at us and saying that you guys were like making that up, that you like they, they thought it was ridiculous that y'all had never heard of the golden birthday thing. I saw so, the tweet. Yeah. I did see Wait, the tweet. Wait, what tweet was this? Because I'm I've been down with golden birthdays. Mine was uh, when I was 15, April 15th, tax day. So actually you know it was at steven as well steve because steven filled in on the look ahead um and they steven brought up dak prescott's uh comment from last week about how uh i don't know if you saw this michael this was the day before dak's 29th birthday his birthday was on the 29th and so he was like oh yeah i'm I'm into this like it's my golden year whatever and steven and rachel i'm all over the place it's been a hectic morning um i haven't had the phenomenal breakfast items that michael has outlined so i clearly need to get some nourishment but um but they were like, yeah, like Dak's just like talking crap. Like he's just out here like proclaiming it's going to be a golden year. It's going to be about. And I was like, no, he's turning 29 on the 29th. Like it's, he's just saying it's his golden birthday. And they had never heard of this. They had never heard of, of that being a thing. Michael, to my defense, my golden year, I was six years old. So I don't remember a golden year. Like nobody ever said, oh, that was your golden year. So I had never heard of it, honestly. Yeah, that's totally fine. I. Well, personally, my, I mean, it, it ends at golden birthday. Like it wasn't like golden year. It was just like this one day where your age now matches the date of like your birthday. I disagree. Your birthday. I think it's your golden year. I mean, to be year. honest, I'm a little upset that I didn't know the concept because then I could have milked it way more. You know, like people go with from their birthday day to like the week. And then now they do whole birthday months. Like my twin sister does birthday month with her and her friends. Like that's a whole thing. You're a twin? Yeah, I'm a twin. We didn't know that. Yeah, I got Michael. a twin sister. What? Mm-hmm. You hid this from us. Is her name Michelle? No, her name's Abigail or just Abby, but like I call her Abigail for fun. But yeah, so she's uh she's my twin sister. Um the difference is uh she's five five and I'm about six three. So like uh you wouldn't know it if you uh looked at us together, but yeah, no, she's my twin sister. Wow. She doesn't look like Baker Mayfield, obviously. Um, I hope, I hope but she you do. Um <laughs> right. Wow. I mean, well, if she looks like you. Nope. Uh, I mean, you know, there's there's a hint of that. Let's look, Michael, just look, we're, we're learning. I mean, how did how would you not? We've done like 10 episodes together. How did you never told us that you were a Man, twin? To be honest, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really like. Rachel, you're with me, right? Like, that's an important thing you tell somebody. Like, you told us about your your brunch items. You didn't tell us you your You learned twin. about the cats, everything. 
Yeah. Um, I don't yeah. know. I don't know what to tell you guys. Uh, I'm pretty sure she watched last week's episode for the first time as well. So she was pumped to see that. Abigail, um, I'm on those terms. Um, <laughs> That's fine. Get mad at him for, for not telling us uh, about this. I mean, seriously. By the way, do you always say that? I've always wondered because you said my twin sister. Like, do, you ever, do you ever say like my sister? Or do you, so do you, do you always specify you my twin sister? I'm glad that perfectly because I was going to tell you guys that we actually call each other our roommates. I like that. That's yeah. precious. <laughs> I like that a lot. Wow. Oh, yeah. We think that's pretty dang catchy. Um, wow. It is. I See, like, I went down this path where I was like, her name should have been Michelle, because then you could have been like Michael and Michelle. But then I thought, if her name was Michelle, your name should be Romy for Romy and Michelle's high school reunion, obviously. Um, well, it turns out so, I was actually almost uh, named Michelle... uh, Andrew because my mother. So was I. For real? Okay, so we'll get this. And I... For real? My mom wanted to name me. I don't know if you guys ever heard about this, but like families who like doing alliteration with all their kids. So my, my mother, Angie, is uh, sisters with Annette and Amy. And then my sister's Abby, and I was almost Andrew. My father is Todd with Tim, Terry, and Tom for his siblings. So I have literally parents, or dad's side, all T's, mother's all A's. And then my sister got in on the A stuff. Wow. <laughs> Different ends of the alphabetical spectrum. You know what I mean? Like super far away. Um, and you're with me. You know, actually, we're all like, you know, well, Rachel, your last name is Prevet, yeah. and, and Michael Peterson. I'm I'm Ochoa. Like we're always in the back. People forget we don't get to line up first for graduation or attendance. We have to wait for all the people to go through. You know what I mean? Like, it's um it's sad. Wow, Michael. Well, thanks for telling us that. Um, geez, I thought yeah. I thought, and Michael will be back next week. Who knows what he'll introduce uh, to us as far as his life is concerned. Um, Wow, I was really stunned to learn that. But hold up, but last before we leave, when was your golden year? Um, yours and Abigail. Yeah, so uh, I, I kind of mentioned it real quickly, but uh, my birthday's April fifteenth, so tax day, okay. and so it was when I turned fifteen. Yep, got it. Wow, well, that was your golden year, and Rachel, yours was the sixth. So August sixth, woohoo! It's coming. Oh, it is coming! What? Wow, Rachel, your birthday's this week. How again? That's what the heck, guys? Here. I thought we were. Are we gonna do something special I thought we were next friends. week? I feel like we have I'll to. Be here. I took off. That's right. Rachel won't be here next That's, week. Oh, Rachel, what no. on earth? How did you not tell us this? We even talked about you being out next week. You didn't say it was for your birthday. Oh, sorry, sorry, guys. Wow, everybody. Rachel is on Twitter. Rachel Monique, tweet her a happy birthday before the end of the earth uh you can do it at any time you want between now and then um wow i don't even know you guys anymore like just oh like i tell you my whole life and michael you're a twin Rachel, your birthday's this week yeah. i mean just who knows who who knows anyway i thought we were friends Rachel, end the show i'm just i'm i'm so upset more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.